<laughs> said, I can do that workout. <laughs> All right, that's probably the lightest part of this message because the rest of it is pretty heavy. So <laughs> I got to kind of go quick this morning because I got a lot. Um, in Genesis chapter 4, uh, starting off verse 1, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again, this time uh, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in a process of time it came to pass that Cain brought forth, or brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of his firstborn of his flock (coughs) and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And I'll stop right there. And I want to start off the message with a question for you of how will you deal with the sin in your life? Uh, I think it's a serious question that every one of us has to answer and need to answer, considering the fact that we're all born sinners. Uh, the answer that you have to this is going to determine the path you take in life and how your life will affect others, where you're going to spend eternity. And honestly, this is probably not a message you're going to hear from Houston, but it's a, it's a message that, that each one of us need to come to deal with. Over the years, we've, we've tried to veer away from that terminology of using sin and, and looking at man as sinners and we, we've changed it to, you know, bad choices and, and, uh, just totally avoiding and we've, we, a lot, a lot of churches have made salvation to, uh, you know, just making Jesus your friend and inviting Jesus in your heart. And here's the God's honest truth. The only reason we need salvation is because we have to deal with sin. If you, if you're not ready to deal with sin, you'll never be saved. And, and then afterwards, when you're saved, once you're born again, though Christ has dealt with your sin at the cross, we still have to decide what we're going to do because every day of our lives, we're going to have choices to make and, and sin in our lives to deal with. Don't give me this junk about how you've conquered it. You hadn't. Okay. And, and, but we have to decide, uh, when we're faced with sin and temptation, uh, that we're faced with what we're going to do with that and how we're going to respond to it because it's absolutely going to affect you and, and a lot of people around you. In Genesis chapter 4, you see Adam and Eve here had already fallen. <clears throat> they, had, they had sinned against the Lord. They had fallen, been put out of the Garden of Eden. The judgment was given. And I want to look real quick in chapter 3 and verse 15. And after the Lord came to them and he spoke a judgment that he had already warned them of, he previously warned them not to eat of the fruit of the tree, and they didn't listen to God and did what they thought was right in their own eyes and sinned against the Lord. And now the judgment came upon that sin. God judged the sin. But with the judgment that came, God also gives the promise of a Savior. I think God is amazing how merciful that he is in in the fact of he did what he said he was going to do. He, he, he doesn't overlook their sin. You know, he doesn't make light of it. He judges it. But then right in there and right after that, he said, I have a, I have a, a promise for you. And in verse 15, the Lord speaking here, <clears throat> he's actually speaking to the serpent. Talking to Satan, he said, I will put enmity or hatred between you and the woman. I want you to catch this. He didn't say between you and the man. He said between you and the woman. Why was it between him and the woman? Between your seed and her seed. So it was the seed of a woman that God put hatred between Satan and the seed of the woman. This seed of the woman, this is the prophecy of a virgin birth. This, the seed of the woman is talking about is Jesus. It was not the seed of Adam. 
Jesus is not a son of Adam. He is the son of God. And so God was promising right here a savior, a Messiah from a woman who would come not after Adam, but after the Lord. And he says, he will, uh, he shall bruise your head. And remember, if you bruise the head of a snake, you kill him. Okay. And you shall bruise his heel. This is talking about Christ's suffering on the cross and the fact of he made a promise. Um, and, and then on after that, you'll see basically the Lord was preaching the gospel here. Adam believed, uh, the gospel and God provided for them a covering through the, 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 uh, skins of an animal. So an animal was slain in representation of Christ's death and they were covered in, in the righteousness of Christ. But, but you see the promise of a Messiah here, okay? That Jesus would destroy the works of the devil. Now when we get into the story of Cain, it says in verse 1, Adam knew, in chapter 4 verse 1, Adam knew his wife and she conceived and she bore Cain. Now, you know, this is the meaning of Cain's name and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now, I'm not no scholar by no means, but, but studying this, the, the people who really understand Hebrew language say the way that she expressed this, she believed that Cain was the Messiah. She had believed that God had provided her because the way his name, his, his name actually means possession or it means I have him. She was thinking this is the promised seed. This is the seed of a woman who's going to be the Messiah. And so when you look at Cain's life, uh, with them implying that Adam and Eve had high expectations of Cain, even though they were ignorant and they were confused about that, as a lot of people have been down through time. Um, uh, they, they had great expectations of Cain. Now, I, I can't prove this, but this is just, this is, you know, you can take it, this or lose it. It's possible. And this, we're just going to talk about a possibility. It's possible that because of that, uh, them thinking what God was going to do, that, that that is what built such a great pridefulness in Cain. Uh, and one of the, one of the things I want to point out, one of the lessons I want to point out in, in this message is, I want you to see here that sin is not contained. You know, Adam and Eve sinned, but it didn't stop with Adam and Eve. They couldn't contain it. They couldn't control it and manage it. It passed on to their seed and their children and, and came out in their lives. And so it didn't stay contained and infected the children. And here's the thing. That's what, that's what sin is. Sin is a disease. You can't contain it. You can't control it. You can't manage it. There's only one thing that, that sin, that, that controls sin, and that is when we conquer it. And you say, well, I thought you just said we couldn't conquer sin. We can't, but Christ did. He conquered it for us, okay? And we'll talk about how, how we deal with that in a minute. But but think about this as a, as a child when Cain was growing up. Possibly some of the things that they spoke about him, you know, they looked at him as this. And they, they, they may have said some things in his life about how great he was going to be and how good he was going to be. And all these different things that instilled a pridefulness in him rather than magnifying God and how great he is and, and what he could do through Cain. But anyhow... Most people, when you think about Cain, the first thing you think about, you know, a lot of people when they think about David, the first thing you think about is his sin with the, with Bathsheba. Here, if you think about Cain, most of you go, well, Cain is the murderer. He's the one that murdered his brother Abel, which is true. But honestly, if you look back and, and you and you look at it, the murder happened a long time before it actually physically took place, and it began with the seed of pride within him. Cain's greatest, you know, his name means possession. His greatest possession was his pride. And his pride is what moved him to a place to murder his own little brother uh, because he responded to God in a negative way, and this is how he dealt with his sin. So we look at this, knowing that... <clears throat> That he, he thought he could control his pride and it led to, to murder later on. And so here's the thing, another thing I want to give you as far as a parent. 
you need to be really careful what you instill into your children. Or what you instill as grandparents into your grandchildren. If you always talk to them and tell them how great they are, and you're, you know, this is my perfect little baby, and all that kind of stuff, you, you, and, and, and also get this, and some of you might not like it, but you can get over it. If you don't correct your kids, you're instilling pride in them. If you never teach them to say, I'm wrong. Understand this. They can't be saved until they come to a place to be able to go, I'm wrong. We all have to say, I'm wrong. You can't be saved until you come to a place where you acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you've sinned against God. It's not about how great you are. Think about it. Cain came to the Lord in a way, and we'll look at it in just a second, and he was basically showing God how great he was and that he would have fellowship with God based on that, and the Lord said, I reject that. And if we always tell our kids how great they are, and I'm not talking about beating your kids down with guilt. There's a way that you build them up. But you also got to bring your kids to a place to correct them and to teach them you're wrong. And you need to admit you're wrong. And you need to say you're sorry. Now, that's not what society's going to tell you because they're going to tell you, well, little Johnny, you're going to squash his attitude. Sometimes little Johnny's attitude needs to be squashed. If you want to know the truth. You can do what you want to, but I'll squash mine with a belt. And I'll probably go to jail for that, but that's just what I'm going to do. And I don't care. I'd rather go to jail than let them go to hell. Mm, bam, there you go. So anyhow, you have to you have to teach them. And, then, and, then, and isn't that the way the Lord does us? You want a perfect father, an example? Look what the Lord does us. Does he just let us go and do whatever and go, it's okay, you're all right. He doesn't do that. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he, he corrects, he chastens as a child. If you don't receive the chastening or the correction of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 12 says, then you're not his. Lord just doesn't let his kids go. He brings to a place to where, because for our good to say, Lord, I'm wrong for that. And I'm sorry. You know what God does? Man, he pours out love and mercy and grace and he builds us up in the right way. That's just a bonus on your, <coughs> bonus on your message. And if you don't like that, put it in your pipe and smoke it. All right. Now, here's the thing. And another thing with our kids is to demonstrate the power of humility. There's a great power that comes in humility. And I'm not saying teach your kids humility by voicing it. I'm saying you demonstrate what it means to have an humble spirit in the way that you interact with your husband and your wife. You know, I just talked to somebody last night and said one of the best things for their marriage was they'd be able to come to the place and go, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm wrong. If you can't say you're wrong, your marriage ain't going to work. If you can't say you're sorry to me, because every one of us have things that we're going to say and think and do wrong. And the only thing that keeps you from doing that to where you always got to prove that you're right and the other person's wrong is the fact of a prideful, arrogant spirit. And, and pride does exactly to your marriage what it did to Abel. It kills it. And so in that, we've got to come to a place where we demonstrate to our to our wives and our husbands, demonstrate to our kids an humble spirit. Because think about this, they, not only do they see an humble spirit, but the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. So you want your kids to see the grace of God in your life and the goodness of God in your life? Then you need to demonstrate an humble spirit to them. Rather than always, you know, like some people do, having an arrogant spirit, a prideful spirit, not to say they're wrong. You know, you know, don't you ever say you're wrong. Don't you ever bow. I'm, I want to teach mine by my my leadership to bow and to to humble myself sometimes even when i'm not in the wrong okay boy you're quiet this morning so if you choose to be prideful let's see what happens so so here's notice this when when cain comes to the lord they're coming to the lord in a sense of worship i believe that this was for a sin atonement um and when you look at this it says in verse uh 
verse 2, when she bore Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. He was a shepherd. Cain was the tiller of the ground. And in a process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought to the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Cain approaches God in a sense of pridefulness. Okay. The Lord had obviously told them how they could approach. You remember back when they was put out, and I can't prove this. This is just some things I studied. Can't disprove it or prove it, but it, man, it sounds good, so I'm going to share it with you. Um, that when they put Adam and Eve out, you remember it says that, that God put a cherubim at the tree of life to guard the way of the tree of life. And so one, one, one person that I read said that, that when they came to approach God, they would approach God at the tree of life. And the way of the tree of life is the way of the cross. It's the way of Christ, okay? And so Cain approaches God with a bloodless sacrifice. You know, it says in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so when you think about Cain, God had taught him, when you approach me, we will have fellowship based upon the shed blood sacrifice of an, of an innocent animal, of a lamb. And you can't approach God apart from that. That is God's way. It has been his way from the time Adam fell, and it will be his way until the last man takes his last breath. That's the way that God is set, and you can't approach God any other way than his way. Cain decides he's not going to do it God's way. He's basically coming to God going, you know what? This is the works of my hand. This is what my works and my effort has produced. And his pride caused him to go, I'm not going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to approach God with my greatness and who I am and my own righteousness. I'll approach God my way. And you can imagine that he thought that God was going to be so impressed with what he had produced and what he had done. Think about it. The ground was cursed already. And he brought forth fruit from the ground, and he brings it as an offering before the Lord. And the Lord said, no good. I reject that. He showed no respect towards um, Cain and his offering. And then here comes Abel. Abel brings a lamb that he slayed and shed his blood. And he offered him up as a burnt sacrifice, and God said, I respect that. I accept that offering. I don't know how they knew whether or not God accepted their offering or did. It may be in like the Old Testament how God, when, when they would offer up an offering, God would consume it with fire. Okay, But whatever it was, they understand, they knew at that point that they were either received or rejected. So understand this also in our, our little you know society that accepts everything. God doesn't accept everything. There's some that God goes, no, I, don't, I, don't, I won't accept that. I've made a way that you can be accepted. But you don't just come to God and go, well, you know what? I don't like God's way. That's what Cain, I don't like God's way. I'm going to come my way. And then all of a sudden, when, when you take God's word and you go, what do you mean that this is a sin? Or that this lifestyle is a sin? You know, our society tr- tries to promote all these different things. Go, well, we should be tolerant and we should accept, even though they're not tolerant of Christianity. And we should accept these things. And who are we to sit and judge? We're not judging. God's word's already judged. It's already spoken on these different things. And we could go through the list and, and, and point out sins. And I don't have time for that this morning. But when you look at those things, you know, we think that, i got to say it. You know, I, I heard it this week. Somebody talked about a homosexual uh, couple that, you know, loved the Lord and was in church. I'm thinking, that's, that's an oxymoron, people. You know, you can say, well, who's to say, who's to judge that you, that you can't have a same-sex marriage and that they do love the Lord and that's just their lifestyle? The Word of God is to say that. Right. 
You know, and the, I'm working on jail good this morning. But anyhow, the, the point is, there are things that, not only that, but there are things that God says, I reject that, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. That you don't come to me in your arrogant, prideful attitude and tell me what I'm going to fellowship based on. God has fellowship with sinners, and, and we're thankful for that based upon what Christ has done for us. We have nothing to offer to God whatsoever. The works of our hands and our own righteousness is is blasphemy towards God. And when we try to come on His on, on, on that basis. And so, think about this. There was no repentance here. There was no humbleness here towards God. He wanted God to accept Him for who He was and what He could do. That's called religion. Cain was the father of all false religion. He was the first antichrist. And when you look at it that way, there's a lot of people today that come in the same arrogant, prideful spirit as as Cain does. And a lot of churches have adapted the message of the gospel to fit that prideful spirit. It's not about, no, no, you don't have to deal with sin. You know, we're not even going to mention that word. We're, you know, we've scratched hell and judgment out of the Bible. And what we want to do is we want to make it comfortable for sinners to stay sinners, to continue to have an arrogant, prideful, sinful attitude towards God. But you can still go to heaven. No, you ain't. And I know that's not good English, but that's the God's honest truth. If, if we want to be, if we want to be real before the Lord, you can, you know, people can, can, a doctor can, you can go to the doctor and you can say, you know what, you've got cancer. And well, what can I do about it? Because I don't want to deal with it. I don't even want you to tell me I have cancer. Don't tell me that. I'm going to go to, I'm going to get a different opinion. And I can go pay a doctor money and him go, oh, no, you don't have cancer. What do you want to have? I want to, I want you to tell me that I'm okay and that I just give me a little pill that makes me feel better. And he can give you, prescribe something to make you feel better. And in your mind he says, see, I'm good. I'm fine. But, but you're going to die of cancer. And that's what we want to do with sin. We don't want to acknowledge our sin. We don't want to come to God and humble ourselves before God to go, you're right and I'm wrong. And I'm so thankful that you're merciful to me and you offer me grace and salvation because of you love me in this way. And that if I repent, turn to you and believe the gospel that you'll save me. We don't want to have to do that. We don't want to humble ourselves. We just want to be able to walk down the aisle and go, yeah, you know, I invite Jesus into my heart. Well, let's talk about your heart. Well, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to turn from my sin. I don't want to change my ways. I don't want to have a change of mind because that's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of life. Okay? I don't want to do no changing. I just want to go to heaven. And it doesn't work that way. And that's why Cain approached God. Cain knew the way of God, but he disobeyed it. And he made his own way. Look in verse 7. Notice this, the... And this was cool. He, he was he was angry. He got mad at God. And his countenance, his whole disposition changed towards God. That word countenance fell means that he turned away from the Lord. And notice this in verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, you see how God came to Cain? See how good the Lord is, how merciful God is towards sinners? The Lord's like, I want to make this right with you. I want you to be right with me. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. And so even while Cain's upset and he's all mad, huffed up with his pride, it says in verse 6, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you do the way I've told you, will you not be accepted? Is it that difficult? Why are you trying to go around the cross? Why are you trying to approach me in your own way? Why are you offering up what you knew I would not accept? I've made a way. It's a very simple way. Humble yourself. Obey the gospel. Will you not be accepted? Mm-mm. See, because our pride goes, I can't do that. 
No way that I'm going to say that I'm wrong. No way that I'm going to bow to. And think about this. As God's people, even after you're saved, and you look at some of the things that God's word teaches, and you're like, I know that it says this. I've heard people, I've said it, and I've heard people in this church say it. I know what it says, but. And we make up our own mind to go, I will not humble myself to that. I know that when, when somebody wrongs me that the Bible says God commands to forgive them because you've been forgiven. I know it says that, but. And you come to a place to make a decision of how you're going to deal with this sin because the devil wants so bad. Most sin, I would say, starts with a, with a root in pride. And, and in our fleshly nature and our prideful hearts, you know, that goes totally against the word of God, we got to come to a place to go, what am I going to do with this sin? And how am I going to deal with it in my life? Because I know I'm going to have to deal with it. And so in this, <clears throat> basically Cain's pride is saying, who is God? Who is Who are you that you should tell me that I'm wrong? Who are you that you should reject my worship and my sacrifice? Man, you see that? Our society has the attitude. So who is God that I should bow to? Who, who is the word of God that you're telling me that I'm going to be judged by? What is, what is God's word that I should live my life and bow down to this book that you say has authority because God spoke it? And sometimes as God's people, we do the exact same thing. Now, we don't word it that way because we don't want to seem like we're being defined towards God. But in our heart, in our actions, we're like, I know what it says, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And what makes it worse is we go, doesn't God forgive? Y'all ever say that? I mean, to be honest, I've said it before. I'm going to do it, and you know God will forgive it. There's something that goes along with that that you need to have a warning here. God's desire is for us to, to turn to him. And our pride says, number one, I'm not wrong. And then all of a sudden we, we let it go and we go, I'm not going to bow. Anytime, you think about this, anytime that you have a decision to make in life and God's word says, I want you to do it this way. You will either bow to the scripture because he is Lord or you'll say, I, I, I just, I'm not going to bow. You might not say it, but your heart's going to express it. I, I'm, I'm not going to bow to that. I'm not going to go there. And then all of a sudden we get the attitude of, I don't need it. I, I'll do my own thing. And then and it gets even worse because pride just continues to go deeper and deeper to say, and I, you know what? I'm not going to pay a price. It's going to cost God, not me. And it did cost God. But you think about this. Maybe you're here today, and, and I, I really wrestle with this with this because I love to preach positive messages and, and try to build you up. And I think this can be a positive message. But maybe you're here today and you're one of those people that you're in a decision making. And I want you to listen to me very close for the rest of this part right here. Where you're looking at sin. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe, maybe you have a choice to where you go, I know that this is not the will of God. But won't God forgive? Or maybe you're already involved in sin. You're thinking, I know that, that God's dealt with me about this and I need to repent of this. And I need to turn away from it and forsake it in my life. But you know what? And, and Aren't I a child of God? I'm going to heaven. I'm eternally secure. So what difference does this make? And a lot of people take that doctrine of eternal security and they use it as a crush to go, well, we can live however we want to. Aren't we still going to heaven? You could go through hell on earth before you get there. And if you can continue to sin, are you saved to start with? And so you look at this and God comes to Cain. And he says, if you do not well, won't you be accepted? And then it says, and then the Lord gives him a warning that every one of us need to take heed to, both believers and unbelievers. He says, and if you do not will, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. 
The Lord always gives us a warning. And he gives us a choice. Cain has a choice here. The Lord said, if you'll humble yourself and obey the way I've set for you, it's all good. And that's what he desires. But if you choose to sin, if you choose to walk through that door, I want you to understand what's on the other side of that door. Sin is like a lion laying there crouched, ready to pounce on you. That's what the words actually mean. Sin's desire is for you. Say, what is, what is sin's desire for me? To possess you, to own you, to control you, to destroy you. This is a prison door. And there's a lot of times in our life where we come to a place where we're standing at that door. To where there's a decision when you have a temptation. When you know what God's word says because Cain knew the way. Whether it's dealing with your salvation, maybe you're here this morning, you're lost. You're standing at the door and God's like, if you'll turn to me. If you'll turn and believe the gospel of what Christ has done for you, I'll save you. But. If you do not well, if you choose to pass through that door, I want you to understand some things. First thing I want to ask you is, what will it cost you? When you pass through that door, like, I know what God's word says, but understand, there is going to be a price to pay. When you walk through that door to go, what you're doing is you're shutting the door on God, and you're basically turning yourself over to, we don't like to look at it, but we're turning ourselves over to the devil. I'm gonna go with my way. My way is the devil's way. And I'm, and we think, you know what, it's not gonna cost nothing. And even if it does, you know, when I ask for forgiveness afterwards, what's the big deal? But it's gonna cost something. Second question is, how will it affect others around you? Because with Cain, ended up, I don't, I don't think Cain went, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna say no to God, and I'm gonna go murder my brother. I think when he crossed through that door, the devil had his heart and went, now I'm in control. And now I'm going to be your greatest influence. And because Jesus referred back to this instance and said, when he was talking to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. Satan was the one who had the greatest influence here on Cain because Cain walked through the door and shut it on the voice of God and went, see, I am in control. I am my own God. And the Lord's like, you're fixing to pay a price. Because understand, sin is not merciful whatsoever. And it's going to affect people around you. Every decision you make, especially the decisions you make, that is out of the will of God. Understand, there is a price coming due. And here's the bad thing is, you don't know what that price is. You know, the Bible says, consider the cost. And before you make a decision out of your flesh to go, I don't care. I talk to marriage couples a lot of time go, God's will is that you reconcile. I don't care. I'm not going to humble myself. I'm not going to come back to a place to do this or do that. And you talk to teenagers where you go, you know, trying to warn you not to get involved in this and not to take part in that sinful action that you're involved in, that you warn you to stay away from that. Kids think, man, you know, parents and preachers, they just want us to not have fun and blah, blah, want us to be weird and be at church all the time. No, we're trying to save you from what's on the other side of that door because there's going to be a price that you will pay and you have no idea how deep that price can go. And so in that, the, the question is also this, will it be a door of no return? Sometimes it's a door with a knob on one side. We always take for granted, I can always turn back to the Lord, not necessarily. Because sometimes a person who God continues to deal with in salvation to go, I want you to be saved. I want to save you. This is your opportunity. When the Holy Spirit deals with you, you hear the word of God and God's spirit is dealing with your heart to go, I want you to turn to me. I want to forgive you. I want to save you. I want to show my love to you. I want to forgive your sin. I want to make you new. I want to make you whole. And that person goes, you know what? They look and they go, hmm. 
I've got some other things I want to do, maybe later in life. And they go through that door and that door shuts and it doesn't have a knob to go back. There's a lot of people in hell that went through a door of no return. There's a lot of believers who go through a door of return, no return into decisions that you make. I know a lot of people who made some decisions to go, I'm going to take part in this temptation and you can't undo it. You can't undo the results. You can't stop the tsunami of waves that it starts by throwing something in the water. That's what sin does. And all of a sudden it controls you. Its desire is for you. Sin wants to grab a hold of your life and take you down a broad path. You remember what Jesus said? Two ways. Two paths. Narrow is the way, straight, or narrow is the gate, straight is the way that leads to life. And there's, then there's Cain's door. It's a wide, open gate and broad way. But where does it lead? To destruction. And sin's always going, come on through. Come on through the door. It's a dressed up door. It's a, it is a very mesmerizing door where we go, this looks so good. But what's on the other side of that door? And what's it gonna cost you when you go through it? You can't always shut sin off. You sure can't shut sin's results off. There are some of us here who are experiencing a result of my sin from when I was a teenager, you know, 15 years ago. (laughs) All right, whatever it was, 20, 40, I don't know what it was, but it was less than what Tiffany's. (laughs) Okay, now I got your attention back at the cost of her. But you think about this. Notice what happened. Cain passes through the door and the power of sin pounced on him. In verse 8 it says, Now Cain talked with his with Abel, his brother. This is a premeditated murder. He brought his brother out into a field, talking to him as if everything was good. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. And then the Lord, here comes the Lord again. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? You know, back before this, God gave Cain an opportunity to repent, an opportunity not to take part in this. Cain said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And he ends up, his pride went from pride to, to acting out. And think about this. And you say, you're telling me the devil was in charge of this? I'm saying what he saw in Abel was Jesus. Why did he kill Abel? Abel didn't do that to him. Abel wasn't one, the one that, that, that rejected the offering. It was God who rejected. But you know what? He looked at Abel and he went, I hate him. Pride caused him to hate his brother who had done nothing. Then Remember what Jesus said? Don't be surprised when people hate you. They don't hate you. They hate me. And they see me in you. And so he rises up against. And that's what, that's what the Lord told him. He said that you will have enmity. Remember Genesis 3.15? Between your seed, Cain... And the seed of the woman, Christ. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. So he murdered his brother. <clears throat> and I want to go on down. i got to finish up. I'm just going to cut this short, okay? But I want to get this to you. God judges Cain. He speaks judgment over him. You read that later for your own time. And, but in verse 13 it said, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. You ever been there? You ever been to a place where you make a decision that is against the will of God, this outright sin, and all of a sudden when you get the results of your life, I never expected this. I don't think that a person who said, you know what, I think it's okay to drink, and later on they're sitting in the prison because they got a DWI, they never thought nothing about that, but sin pounced on them, and now it controls them. 
Never think of the person who is sitting in the hospital begging for their life because of a decision they made. Somebody who's standing in a courtroom of divorce going, I never thought that just, you know, talking to this person would have led to this. I'm losing everything in my life. But you know what? You didn't know what to expect when you, you thought you could control the punishment. We get the idea that God's like, okay, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to set you in time out. God doesn't do time out. God comes to a place where he said, I warned you. I'm holy. I do what I say. I'm truthful. And I'm going to judge the sin. And all of a sudden, he's overwhelmed with it. You never know how it's going to turn out. I think there's a lot of people in hell today that went, I can't bear this. And so here's the question for you as I finish. How will you deal with the sin in your life? When you look in the story, there's two doors. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the door. You can choose to trust Christ or you can choose to go through door number two. In the story, there's two paths. One leads to death, one leads to life. One door leads to death, one one door leads to life. Remember what Paul said in the book of Romans? I believe it was Romans, I might be telling you wrong, but Paul said it, I know this, it's in the scripture, that if you sow according to the flesh, then you're going to reap what? Death. But he who sows according to the spirit, obedience towards the Lord, faith in Christ, you're going to reap what? Life. The Bible is very specific. Sin leads to death, Christ leads to life. All the way through the scripture, there's two hearts in this passage of scripture. One is a heart of pride, the other is an humble heart. One leads to life, one leads to death. And every single one of us have a decision to make of what you're going to do and how you're going to deal with sin in your life. I want to finish this with Abel. <coughs> Think about Abel. Because a lot of times we'll just read through something real quick and we don't spend a little time there. Think about this. Abel was out in the flock. You know, I guess shepherds with them is kind of like us with dogs. You know, their sheep was part of their family. You know, they probably named them, I don't know, Fuzzy and Wooly and that kind of stuff. We just think about it. He's out in the field and he's watching his sheep. He's watched these, he's watched these little lambs be born. He helped. He took part in it. It was like awesome. You know, he'd pet them. He'd carry them and all that. But all of a sudden when it come time to where he went, I'm, I want to fellowship with God. God said, then I want you to take that lamb and you're going to have to kill that lamb and you're going to offer it up as a sacrifice. You think about when he take that innocent little lamb, he would have to walk up to it. So why, why in the world did the Lord do that? Because here's the thing. When Abel did that, he was reminded, this is the cost of my sin. I can't approach God in my own goodness and righteousness. Something's going to have to die just in order for me to be able to know God in the fellowship with God. And he would take that lamb and he would pierce it. He would kill it. And he would catch the blood. And he would do what God told him to. And he would take and he would offer it up as a burnt sacrifice for the Lord. The Lord didn't look at Abel. The Lord looked at the lamb. The Lord would see the blood that was shed, the death that was made. And he would go, I'm good with that. So all the way through the scripture, that's the pattern that you see. Until you come to the place of the cross of Jesus Christ, remember what John the Baptist said. I know most of you know this, but let's go through it. When Jesus come walking by, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Why did God have them do all those sacrifices, all those lambs, all those goats, all those bulls? Because every time a man decided in his heart, I want to know God and I want to have fellowship with God, I have to deal with my sin. 
If I'm going to know God, if I'm going to be forgiven, I can't do anything. I have to put my faith in this lamb. What does faith do? Faith obeys what God has commanded to go. I trust in what I'm doing in the slaying of this lamb. I trust the, the death of this lamb as a means or a way that I can approach God. And when Christ gave his life on the cross, what happened? I killed the lamb. When I come to the place of my salvation, I had to come to the place to where I went. Lord, I am guilty. I am wrong. I'm a sinner. And I want to be forgiven and I want to know you. And I want to have fellowship with you. And God said, then slay the lamb. Slay the lamb. Because I have to put my faith in what Christ has done. And when I come to God, I come. That's what it means to come in the name of Jesus. I come going, Lord, this is my offering. Christ, Christ Jesus is my offering. My only way, my only means, what Jesus said, I'm the way. One way. I'm the truth and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You will never, ever, ever approach God in any other way. You will never be forgiven of your sin. You will never have eternal life. You will never deal with the sin in your life in any other way than the way of the cross that was set all the way back from the time Adam sinned. And God is amazing to love sinners that much to go, even though you don't deserve it, even though you were the one that was prideful and arrogant, even though you're the one that turned away, even though you're the one that did not heed the warning, even though you're the one that chose to sin, I'm the one that chooses to die so that you can be forgiven. And if you're here this morning, you've never trusted in Christ, God says there's no other way. And you have to decide what you're going to do with your sin because you'll do one of two things. You'll come to the place where you'll trust the Lamb. And you'll humble yourself before God to receive grace. Or you'll try all these other religious ways and all of your goodness. And you'll die separated from God in the devil's hell for all eternity. That's truth. And if you're a child of God here this morning. And you're wrestling with some decision. That's a life altering decision. You better consider what's on the other side of that door. You know what you need to do? Slam that door. Shut that door and walk away and go nail a board over it. I'll never, I will not cross through that door. Even though this side doesn't, might, might not appeal to my flesh, I'm going to trust the Lord in this situation. Because if Cain would have went, shut that door, I'll trust you God. God would have been like, alright, I'm going to lead you through this. And I'm going to bring healing. And I'm going to bring restoration. And I'm going to bring blessing. And I'm going to bring goodness. And I'm going to bring love. And I'm going to bring favor. You know why? Because you believed me. And you trusted me. And you walked in my way. And his way is good. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you. I thank you so much, God, that when we rebelled against your way, Lord, that you made a way for we could be saved. We thank you that you did everything. Thank you that you're willing to lay down your life and to shed your blood. So that godless sinners could have forgiveness. That we could receive grace and mercy because of what Christ has done. God, I just pray, Lord, over this crowd, knowing there are people here today that that are standing at the brink of a door. Trying to decide what side they're going to be on. God, I just pray that they would see you for who you are. Lord, you're holy. You're righteous. You're a just judge. And God, that they would see sin for what it is. It's a destroyer. It's a robber. It's a murderer. Lord, I pray that they turn to you. 
pray, God, that you would just move in a mighty way here. For someone who doesn't know you as their Savior this morning, God, please let them humble themselves today. Lord, at your feet, at the foot of the cross. Lord, to trust in Jesus so that you would save them. Lord, they would come to know the giver of life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.